Indispensable is a podcast focused on hearing about the business truths, tools, and tips others can't do without. After interviewing hundreds of people for their LinkedIn profiles and talking with thousands of people looking to use professional platforms more strategically, I've had the pleasure of meeting and getting to know people that lead, create, and engage within their companies and in their communities with great intention, abundance, focus, and sheer grit. I want to share their stories so that you can gain insight from a variety of people, not just the podcast and tech rock stars that have become household names. Rather, let's focus on the people whose stories influence those around them, and maybe even you. Everyone has indispensable truths, tools, and tips, even if they haven't realized it yet. And while this podcast isn't about LinkedIn and how to use it, it may weave its way in from time to time. It is, after all, our favorite platform for networking and doing business. Come, join us, and get to know some of my colleagues, clients, friends, and neighbors. Hello, and welcome to the Indispensable podcast. Indispensable is about the truths, tools, and tips you can't do without. I'm Colleen McKenna, your every curious host who loves spirited conversations, stories that stay with you, and learning something new every day. Today, I'm so excited to have Emmanuel Roche, Vice President of Simrise Flavors North America, the host of the Flavors Unknown podcast, foodie, world traveler, with us. He is someone I've known for a number of years now, and I think you're going to have an awesome conversation. Emmanuel, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thank you, uh, Colleen. I'm very excited to be um, to be on your podcast. It's gl- it's nice to um, be on the other side, uh, you know, and not uh, the one asking question now. <laughs> so let's see how it works. Right. Well, I have no doubt it's going to work really well. So tell us a little bit about you. And first, let's focus on your work at Simrise. That's how we got connected. So I'd love for you to share what you do. Sure. So um, as you said, you know, Colleen, I am the Vice President of Marketing, Sensory and Consumer Insight at uh, Simrise uh, North America. So Simrise is um, a company that really play in the business to business space. Uh, we are a manufacturer of uh, flavors and fragrances. So personally, I work in the flavor department. So it's, uh, you know, it's all about food again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, uh, I, uh, you can tell from my little accent, so obviously not born, you know, in, uh, in the U.S. I was born and raised, um, you know, in France, and I've been uh, in the U.S. now 17 years. And, um, you know, personally, I have as well, you know, like uh, three children, 27, 23, and 21 years old. And, um, yeah, so uh, in uh, the marketing function at, uh, at Simrise, uh, we really... Um, focus on different aspects, you know, of marketing, you know, from communication, could be face-to-face, you know, with consumers, it could be um, event, you know, communication, obviously uh, digital um, engagement, so a lot of digital marketing, Um, but some fun stuff like, um, you know, trend, uh, you know, foresight, uh, trying to understand what's going on, what's new in the world of, uh, of food, uh, what are like the new, um, you know, the new flavors? What are like the the consumer um, insights that are going to uh, drive, um, you know, creativity, innovation for the years to come? 
Um, so, um, you know, trying to put together market insights, uh, consumer research, uh, you know, with um, the end consumers. And then um, the whole aspect of uh, the world of sensory, uh, which is very important in our um, business, uh, which is really trying to um, help, uh, you know, the people that are creating flavors um, to um, develop, you know, the, the best profile of flavors for the, the food and the beverage industry and using, um, you know, sensory as well to validate uh, to to consumers and, and figuring out, you know, what resonates with, uh, you know, with the consumers in order to be able to support our, um, you know, our, let's say customers, the food manufacturers and the beverage manufacturers. So we do a lot of innovation um, and that's something very exciting. Well, it's so interesting because there's been this just flavor explosion, right, over the last few years. I mean, you can't, you can't buy only one kind of potato chips. There's 15 kinds of varieties and flavors of potato chips. It's on every, everywhere you go, it's just this crazy number yeah. of different flavors, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really, um, you know, an exciting space. Um, it's an exciting uh, function and job that I have. Uh, it's every day different. Um, you know, every morning I wake up and um, it's um, going to be um, supporting the innovation process of, uh, as you just mentioned, like a chip, you know, manufacturer. Um, um, it could be beverage, it could be um, uh, sauces, it could be ready meals, it could be alcoholic beverages. Um, and it is really connected to um, something which is very emotional. No, it's like, um, you know, it's the, the, the taste that you put in, in your mouth and the, the, the experience um, that every consumer is going to have when they, um, you know, when they eat or drink, um, you know, a product. So everything is connected to, um, you know, to trends. And um, when you are in marketing, uh, trend foresight is um, another exciting part of the job. What is the um, mo either most popular or what flavor do you manufacture more than any other? Is there one? <laughs> I would say the one that we, we want to manufacture uh, the most are probably the less exciting, you know, for the people listening. They are going to be like the big, um, you know, the, the major uh, flavor that make the bulk of the, of the market. So if you think about a category like ice cream, um, you have a um, huge percentage, you know, of the business, which is around, you know, three flavors, vanilla, strawberry, and chocolate. <laughs> so this is not what makes the most exciting part, you know, maybe of your discussion on the podcast, because it's very mainstream. But that's the same thing with, you know, beverage. Uh, you think about uh, non-alcoholic beverages is going to be, you know, um, about citrus. Uh, it's going to be about red fruits. So, um, you know, orange, lemon. Uh, grapefruits, um, that's what makes the bulk, you know, of, um, of the business. And this is what you want, you know, you want to win. Um, I mean, obviously, in order to do this, uh, you need to uh, inspire your customer. And when it comes to citrus, then you are going maybe to talk about yuzu, because this is one of the most, uh, I would say, um, innovative and emerging, uh, you know, citrus flavors that we see on the market at the moment. Hmm, so interesting. What brought you to the U.S.? You've been with Simrise for 
over 20 years. Yeah, don't say and, that. Yes. Oh, so sorry. So sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. I think that's a badge of honor, right? Isn't that a badge it's, of honor? I think that this is a company that I really um, felt um, comfortable, uh, you know, with because they give the opportunity to... Um, you know, to evolve and, and um, you know, the, the spirits that we have here in North America for Simrise uh, is very positive and it's all about uh, entrepreneurship and it's all about the just do it mentality. So um, that's really fit my, my profile and mindset. So um, yeah, why, why go somewhere else when you, you feel comfortable? So um, yeah, so coming to the U.S., that was um, a dream uh, from um, when I was probably a teenager. Um, at that time in France, uh, there was, um, you know, I was reading a lot of things and there was a lot of um, influence coming from, um, you know, from America. So I always had in the radar screen that I wanted to go there. So I was lucky after um, I did my, um, my chemistry studies and my MBA and, you know, marketing focus, I had the chance to do an internship uh, for about a year in, um, in the U.S. Some people, when I talk to, especially people living in the U.S. now and, and say, hey, I've been there. I've been in Waukesha, which is in Wisconsin, and uh, say, wow, uh, you know, you, you live in, in, on the French Riviera. And then why did you end up in, 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 in uh, Wisconsin? And I said, those people were wonderful. I had, uh, I was 25 years old and uh, uh, it was a great experience. And I really love like the pace of the business uh, in, in the U.S. And, um, you know, I had to go back, obviously, to, uh, to France and uh, work for the French market. I work, you know, for the whole European market. But I always had back of my mind this dynamic, this mentality of just do it you know, explore, um, create something, run with it, um, and, and, you know, try to be successful, obviously, which um, fits me um, a lot. And uh, it is, um, it was very, it's more, let's say, difficult in, um, for me in Europe because there's a lot of meeting with no really a lot of, um, you know, discussions. I mean, decision being made, it's slow pace and, you uh, so I had the, I had the chance that um, the, the the group that I work for, um, you know, had this opportunity, and at the same time, I um, parallel I played the the lottery, <laughs> and um, my name was um, you know selected, and I went through the whole process, and uh, yes, I got the the green card like this, and and at the same time, uh, you know, Simrise uh, supported it, and um, you know, sent me to. Uh, to the U.S. to create the marketing team, and it was back in 2002. Hmm. Do you feel as though um, your European influence, your French influence, has rubbed off on what you do in your team? Because you grew up around food too, right? You that was yes. a really big part of your life always. Yeah, they've been always part of my life. Um, yes, I love food, uh, undeniable. Um, I think this is um, this is one aspect, you know, of of the job, um, and um, especially with you know connections that we might have with um, you know chefs and pastry chef and mixologists. Um, so. Um, I have this passion for food and this is the same passion that they have. So um, we have a, a great connection as well as my passion for food maybe will 
resonate and help me um, looking for like the newest thing um, trying to um, new to explore so that's that's one aspect of the of uh, the job that I have um, and and I mean that's respect it um, you know it, it helps mm-hmm. so other than the explosion in flavors that we've already talked about what changes have you seen um, in food companies and the food industry over the last three to five years sure um, I mean, there's, there's different things. There's, um, the food aspects, um, and there is as well the business aspects of, of things. So, um, maybe I'll start with the, you know, with the food. Um, I think that's, uh, what we see, um, really today is, um, that, uh, consumers are looking for more, I would say, simple, real food, less complicated, um, you know, um, taste and, and flavors. Um, so I think this is very, very important. And this is driven by, um, let's say, the, the influence of a new generation like, uh, you know, millennials, younger millennials and, and Gen Z. Um, uh, we see a lot of things related to um, functionality into, you know, beverages and, and, and foods. So I'd you know, additional functionality for, for with health benefits. So that's a, that's a big thing, uh, you know, that is really um, a booming nowadays. Um, it was interesting. Um, you know, we always go to uh, the, the fancy food show. There's one in New York, one in, uh, in San Francisco. And um, the one in New York this year, everything was around um, really specific diets. So there was a market product that was, um, you know, specifically labeled for like the keto diet or, you know, no gluten or, and so on. And it was much more than, than in the past. So we see this, you know, um, at the level of the, and the industry, when it comes to restaurants, um, we see now chefs again, being less complicated. You know, it's like, there's always, um, you know, chef, uh, you know, doing, um, uh, very elaborated, um, you know, dishes or drinks, but now it's again, they want to let the produce, you know, speak, you know, for itself. Um, there's more veggies, um, maybe like the protein aspect, especially the meaty part um, of a dish is um, uh, not as large as it used to be. And the veggies are maybe more like center of the plate now, uh, more botanicals, uh, more blossom, um, we see a lot still of like um, ethnic influences, you know, coming from the traditional dishes that come from different parts of the world. So still very strong Central America, South America, Southeast Asia, you know, Korea, Japan, Middle Eastern, you know, so that's, um, that's very exciting to see a lot of different um, profile um, impacting, you know, restaurants. And then that means that one day it's going to trickle down into food service and, and potentially as well, uh, retail food. Mm-hmm. So that's from the food aspect. Now, if you, th- your question is about the business, um, in our industry, um, we have seen a lot of changes, uh, with definitely with speed. So our customers want, um, a lot of, um, let's say, uh, inputs, a lot of solutions, um, faster, you know, than ever. I, I guess technology, you know, is, is driving, you know, this need for, for speed. Um, and I think that the whole industry of the flavor evolved from um, selling uniquely like products. So flavors that, you know, our customers are going to uh, add into their, their product, into their, you know, beverage or, or food. 
to um, looking at up to us as well to give some um, inspiration and and maybe more like services. So there's much more service, um, additional value um, that um, our customers are expecting, um, you know, from us and especially supporting their innovation process. So there's um, more and more, um, you know, of this aspect um, that is changing, let's say, our dynamic, you know, in the industry. Hmm. And what about Food Network, YouTube, Instagram? It seems to me that they probably have really had an influence as well. Yes, um, definitely. There's a lot of influence because there's um, there's the democratization, you know, of uh, of, of food. There is more exposure as well, you know, for the consumer. Um, there's a lot of inspiration, you know, for as well, you know, people manufacturing food and, and beverages. This is undeniable. Um, and um, I think on the chef aspect, um, it has created this whole trend of celebrity chefs, uh, you know, so okay. that's something um, definitely new. There's um, the possibility as well to um, make a name of yourself, not of the level of the chef, but as well of the restaurants. But at the same time, um, and I hear that a lot, you know, with the podcast that I have, and I think we are going to talk about it later, but the, um, I, I see as well that the, sh- the chef that I am talking to said it's, it's giving like a, a wrong, a little bit like a wrong image of what uh, the job um, of a chef is because they see the, you know, a lot of people see the glamorous you know, aspect of it. Um, but when you look at the, this industry, you know, there's um, maybe, you know, 10, 20 of those chefs that are very famous on TV. And then there's millions of cooks, you know, on the, you know, in the kitchen in, in the US and it's not the same life. And the other aspect is like the people that are in culinary school, they are looking, you know, up to those, um, you know, few celebrity chefs, but, they don't realize, you know, how difficult, you know, this, this job is. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of positive things about those shows, but there is some of them are maybe, you know, showing like the, the wrong aspect of especially the, the food and the, the restaurant uh, space. But from an inspiration and, you know, it's, you know, I, I was very excited always to watch um, and still watching today. Anthony Borden's, you know, um, shows because it's 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 really like um, a great mission that uh, he had, and and he opened the eyes, you know, of the American population to a lot of things, and especially outside of of the U.S. And you actually named Flavors Unknown your podcast in in honor, right, in homage yep. of of him and his show. Correct, correct. Um, yeah, that's um, Flavors was for me important because there's always and the owner aspect, which is always trying to discover something new. And that's for me a, a driver uh, and a trigger when I go into a restaurant or a bar. It's really looking at the menu of, um, you know, either of, you know, the bar or the restaurant. And let's discover something that I don't know. I want like a new experience. So that's the unknown. But at, at the same time, it's, uh, as you said, an homage to uh, Anthony Bourdain. Um, and, you know, because of uh, part unknown, that was the, you know, the, one of the name of his, um, his uh, TV show. So let's, let's turn to Flavors Unknown. I love your podcast. I remember when you were talking about it early 
late last year, early this year, when we were having lunch together one day and um, got the first episode and it was like, oh my gosh, this was, was so interesting because the people that you're talking to are so wonderfully creative. These chefs and bartenders, their stories are great. How you draw them out is really wonderful. So for anybody who does not know Flavors Unknown and Emmanuel's podcast, he talks to trending chefs and bartenders who really give them a lot of insight into their inspiration and their personal experiences that really have enabled them to become leaders in culinary and mixology in that world. So I loved your milestone episode. So you've just recently Thank came you. off of your first season yep. and you were actually interviewed with Katie and I'm going to say her last name for me. Schlins. Schlins, yeah. CEO at Communicate Media. Yep. Um, we'll link to this in the show notes and to all the flavors unknown episodes, but Thank you. Um, you share so much about your journey and traveling, creativity, the preparation that goes into your work and your podcast. And so it kind of, it strikes me that you are certainly, you're really an endlessly curious person. Correct. And yes, that's true. That's um, one of, um, one way of uh, to define me. Yes, I always, <laughs> always, uh, uh, you know, love to learn something and, um, yeah, it, like, um, you know, uh, always a learner for sure. Well, as you said on that podcast, when you live and have a commute, you live in and around uh, New Jersey and New York, you, you have a long commute typically. Yep. So you get the opportunity to learn a lot through podcasts and audiobooks, And so you definitely took advantage of that. And it's, but what I also found really interesting was that you, have woven the art and science of food marketing and business all together. Mm -hmm. so do, you, do you consider yourself more scientist or more artist? Because you do have an undergraduate degree in chemistry too, yep. right? Correct. Yes, absolutely. Um, that's a, that's a very good question. And, and I think that um, why I was maybe successful, you know, in my, in my career, it's because I, I think I have this balance between, you know, the left brain, brain and the right brain. So I don't know if I would say that I am a scientist or that I am an artist. They are very strong words, but um, I would say that there's definitely from my uh, background in chemistry um, that fits really a part of who I am, which is very rational, very grounded, you know, person. Um, I like the whole mindset of the scientific approach, um, the idea of trying trial and error and so demonstrating, you know, questioning. So that's definitely is a part of who I am. But at the same time, I think that there is, uh, instead of being artist, I would say there is a very strong creative side of, you know, who I am. Um, I remember when I was a, you know, a kid or a teenager, um, I, so I play music uh, quite a bit. So I play, uh, you know, piano uh, for a number of years. And then uh, I love, you know, drawing, painting and the whole design aspect of things. So I remember one time when I was, um, you know, probably a young teenager and I, I wanted to become, you know, an architect. So I, I bought like all the designs, you know, magazines that were out there. I was, um, drawing, you know, plants, you know, of houses. I was drawing like the, uh, you know, the outside, you know, and the inside of, of the house. So 
I, I think this this aspect is very this you know balance between um, yeah having a scientific approach and having a, a creative uh, side is definitely you know um, you know who I am and then when I when I travel uh, as you said before I travel a lot so. A part of it is discovering, you know, food and wine in distilleries. And another part is art museum, art expos, you know, like craft uh, things that I can, you know, I can find. So one of my friends uh, that, uh, you know, called me, uh, you know, you're a renaissance man. So maybe I am. <laughs> I think that's a good term. I do. I think that that's really a good app description. I think it's Daniel Pink who has a book called A Whole New Mind. And he talks about that a whole new mind is really the um, combination of being right-brained and left-brained yeah. and kind of weaving them together, right? So it sounds like you really fit that book. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you start Flavors Unknown more? Were you thinking, oh, this will be a hobby? Your kids are, are sort of yeah, a little up. bit of an empty yeah. nester, right? Yeah. So they're yeah. off on their own. And mm-hmm. you said you had a little bit more time. So did you see it as a hobby? Do you still see it as a hobby? Talk to us about that, your experience this year. Yeah, I mean, I, it's um, it started as, um, you know, as, um, you know, a hobby, but it was connected to as well what I'm doing, you know, at Simrise in, in the work because I, um, Simrise is, um, is a sponsor of um, a company called Star Chefs. And um, through that partnership, um, I was lucky, or I am still lucky to, interact with you know a lot of chefs and mixologists and um and um, moderate panel discussion with several of them you know maybe five or six you know per year and um and obviously it's focused on the business and what the value that we can bring you know to our customers um and every time um you know i finish those interviews i'm a little frustrated because i always want to dig more and, and cover topics uh, that I am interested in, but that are not maybe resonating with, you know, who Simrise is and, and, and the added value that we can bring to our customers. So it started that way where I said, hmm, you know, as you, you know, I have more time now, uh, empty nester. And so I could, um, you know, I could see if, uh, you know, what's the best way for, for me to, um, to continue that conversation. And uh, as I was, um, a, I am a podcast listener, um, I thought that that could be a great platform um, because there's a lot of, um, I, I like the educational, you know, this whole aspect of learning again, I guess, educational um, aspect of podcasting. So um, I said, hmm, that, that would be a great platform that I can, uh, let's say, offer to chefs and mixologists and pastry chefs um, to really talk about their passion, share their experiences, uh, talk about like a new food and and that can really inspire and people like other chefs you know can learn and people like me you know foodies can uh, can learn some new stuff as well and um and maybe people working in the in the food industry can uh, um really understand like new you know new flavors and get inspired so that's that's how it started so yeah it's um it's a it's a hobby, but um, let's see how it's um, you know develops um, you know in the future. But at the moment, it's uh, it's something I'm very passionate about, and uh, you, you know I need to be because it takes uh, quite a lot of uh, my personal time. Um, but you know it's fine. I enjoy it. And I love every discussion, every one of them. You know, with uh, the chefs and and the pastry chef and mixologist, and uh, I'm excited to um, open the door to a new season. 
And so what do you, um, so first tell um, our listeners how you choose your guests. Yeah, so um, I always mention that there's this idea of trending, you know, before chef, pastry chef and, and bartender. So I, I'm looking for um, people that are emerging. I'm looking for people that was, they were awarded um, either by, you know, James Beard Foundation or Star Chefs, two very strong um, companies that are in that space. And um, so it, it's really a badge of uh, professionalism. So um, for me, it's, it's very important. And um, so that's one element. The second element um, is I need to have people that can really uh, tell a great story. Um, you know, it's not only uh, talking about the days in and out of a restaurant and so on, but it, there's something, you know, more, more interesting and, and, and more exciting. Um, and then the, the third way for me to get access to, you know, chefs or mixologists is them contacting me. I had several of them that, um, you know, send me a direct message in the uh, Instagram from Flavors Unknown and uh, say, hey, we love the show. We love what you are doing. Um, great platform for the chef. And, um, you know, if you are coming to Austin or if you are coming to um, New York City or, you know, somewhere else, then um, stop by and let's have a chat and see um, if there's something that, um, you know, we can do together and I could be a guest on your show. So that's the other way of, um, you know, a source, um, you know, for me to get access to chefs and mixologists. Yeah, and listening to so many of the episodes, there's such um, an emotional attachment to food for so many of these chefs and bakers, right? All the way back to their childhood. And, but not all of them, some are more outgoing, some are more introverted in terms mm-hmm. of personality. Have you found that there's a kind of one or two questions that you ask that can really get them to open up or, or relax, share more? I think it's it's really dependent, um, you know, about the individual. Um, what I, what I try to do is um, I have like really two different style uh, of questions um, in the podcast. So I have questions that I share in advance because um, I, I truly believe that, and you know, as well, the podcasts that I love are the one that had great content. Um, so to have for me the best content is really to make sure that those chefs have a little bit some thought about it. So I sent, you know, those key questions in advance. So I, and I believe that sending those key questions in advance, um, relax them a little bit, um, because they know they, they go into the recording session with already an idea of, you know, where the conversation is going to go and, and they have, you know, they are not reading anything. They are, um, but they probably have, you know, few, I gave them a few days before, before the recording. So they have put some thought into it. And then the second section, which is a shortened one, um, is a series of rapid fire question at the end, uh, which is, um, you know, more um, uh, spontaneous. And, um, and I wanted this is to have a different kind of rhythm, you know, in, in the, in the podcast. So, and, uh, and usually I focus on questions that are like easier to, you know, to answer. They don't have to put like so much, you know, thought into it. Right. Yeah. I think that there, that balance is really, um, is interesting. And just to hear some of people, some of their responses really been kind of fun, right? Some of them are, yeah. you probably wouldn't have guessed that. Absolutely. 
So considering this podcast is called Indispensable, share some of the business truths that have shaped and inspired you. Hmm. Okay, so that's um, that's a very deep question here, um, Colleen. Um, I think that's you know one is I have things that I'm ready to the podcast and know that are ready to you know the the work uh, you know that I do in in marketing in general. Um, so as we were in the topic of the podcast, let's start with this one. Um, I, I think for me, the one that I the truth is um, the fact that. The podcast is not about me. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts where I don't listen to them very long, <laughs> I have to say. When I hear um, the host of the podcast, especially the one that have guests, um, you know, spending a lot of time in the intro and they talk about themselves and there's a lot of rambling and so on. So I, I, the biggest truth for me is that you need to focus on the guests. The guest, he's the hero of the podcast. He's the one who is, or she's the one who is going to, um, you know, create the content. So you need to respect, um, you know, as a host. Um, and, um, you know, they, yes, I am returning every episode, but that's not the reason why the people are listening to the podcast. So it, it is very important, I think, for um, an interviewer not to focus on the next question, but really instead to listen carefully to the answer of your guests and then you can really remain fluid and, you know, non-scripted, you know, in the conversation. So I, I think this is something that's, that's an important aspect, um, you know, for me. I, I always um, uh, really, um, you know, the idea of uh, um, as always asking questions, you know, being curious and, and going back to this idea of, you know, be a constant learner. And that's, that, that's something that I always mention to my children is um, be humble, you know, be flexible. Um, and, and another aspect is always network. I think that this is something that I learned maybe late in, uh, in my professional life because of, you know, I, I'm obviously not in born with the technology. <laughs> so, uh, it was more difficult, you know, at that time to stay, you know, connected and so on. But, you know, you learn a lot, um, uh, new education, you learn a lot through the experience. But what is really critical and key for the, the rest of the, your professional career is to build relationship and uh, cultivate those relationships. So. And you, it seems that you're constantly building these kinds of relationships, whether it's with you know, a really high profile chef or somebody who, when you're traveling, you stay at their Airbnb. So correct. Right. And this is, this is part of the mindset as well is, you know, I'm not, 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 I don't like to stay at the hotels. You know, I do love that as well. There's a lot of, you know, maybe a comfort that you have and, but um, if, if I go to, you know, a foreign uh, country, um, I love to have that experience with the Airbnb. And, and if I travel uh, solo, which, um, you know, happens as well, uh, then um, I like to stay uh, within, you know, an Airbnb, but having like a room, you know, at someone's house. So a lot of people said, how can you do this? And I'm like, yeah, easy. You know, <laughs> uh, you have to go with the flow. And uh, 
and and this is one way for me to um, you know to meet people. And recently, I, I went with my daughter and my younger son to Cuba, and we stayed in two different Airbnbs in La, La Havana. And uh, yeah, there was uh, you know there was rooms inside someone's house, and um, that was the best way to connect and really try to learn and understand how you know people live and you know it's completely different uh, you know uh, experience if you go to um, a luxury hotel in la havana which i'm sure it's a, it's a, it's a great experience but it, it's not the one i'm looking for and tell us so you've recently been to morocco costa rica cuba yeah Anything panama, panama. <laughs> i'm going to japan with my son uh, in 2 weeks yeah okay. So, any favorites? Do you find favorites? In, is, is it like your children, right? You, who yeah, it's, you're with it's a very time? tough question. I am, <laughs> I am very. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe people that know me said that would be different, but I'm I'm easygoing. So I, I'm always going to find a rational to, um, you know, to find something positive uh, in one of the trip, you know, that I've made and. And for me, it's all this mindset of every year go somewhere that you've never been before and, and, and discover. So I, I love Costa Rica. Uh, I hope I can go back another time and see another part of the country. Um, Panama, I've been twice. This is fantastic location. Um, so, you know, Cuba, uh, it's more difficult maybe to go back now. But that, yeah, that was, that was great. So, you know, I always, I don't have a favorite. It's... <laughs> it's very difficult for me to answer that question. And when you're traveling, and so one of the other questions I have for you is, like, what tools do you use? So, you know, you're big on Instagram, right? That's one of yep. your favorite tools, I think, these days for the podcast and, and just personally. And mm -hmm. um, but what tool, like, are there particular tools that you use for work? Are there particular tools that you use when you travel? Yeah, I mean, um, so for traveling, um, for me, the half of the pleasure, you know, of the travel is doing research. That's probably the scientific part of my brain. So I, I do a lot of research. So here at the moment, I am fully into researching, uh, you know, Tokyo and Osaka and, you know, Kyoto and Hakone, but, you know, where, where we are going. So um you know, there's a lot of things, you know, available. Um, of course, I go to the traditional, um, you know, platform that uh, people will use. You know, it could be Thrillist, it could be uh, Eater, it could be, um, you know, TripAdvisor in some extent. Um, great platform with, um, you know, in Airbnb when you look at um, uh, not like the housing, but like the Airbnb experiences, which I think is great if, um, you know, uh, people haven't haven't done that. They should, especially when you go to a foreign place. Um, uh, it's different. It's going to be in Japan. Um, you know, I already booked uh, some uh, uh, two or three hours um, really uh, trek with, um, you know, a local because that's, I think, the best way for me to discover something which is behind the scene and maybe not like very touristy. So I, I like that. Um, so that's the, you know, the things I'm doing. But another uh, tip, something that I have been doing now for quite a long time is I'm searching for specific um, traveler blogger. So someone who, um, you know, has been in the region that I'm going to, or the country that I'm going to, um, and I'm looking for bloggers. 
and I'm looking and I'm reading, you know, and, and um, I always find someone who is going to have something which is, you know, of the beaten, beaten path, which it's what I'm looking for. So that's always for me a, a, a big, um, a big part of the, you know, of the, of the research. Right. I love that idea. That's a great idea. Any others? Um, and, you know, for work, um, <laughs> I have to say that obviously, you know, everything which is digital, um, uh, I would say LinkedIn, I have, you know, to mention the great work that you are doing that we have been doing with you. So uh, it helped us, you know, tremendously. So LinkedIn is, is definitely a, a big part of of the tool that uh, that you are, we are using professionally, but otherwise, I, maybe it's going to be boring. But I still love a pen and a piece of paper. <laughs> so because me for me, I need to have this process of writing because it help it helps me me clarify my thoughts, and and I retain. I've seen that I retain the information much better, you know, when I write because I I'm a very visual person. So, um, so I would say the pen and the piece of paper, it's still, um, you know, I, my Gen Z and millennial, uh, people in my team are always smiling when, you know, they are taking notes, whatever, and they are using their, obviously their, their phone. And, and sometimes I'm using a piece of paper <laughs> and a pen. <laughs> my friend Yvonne Lyons and I, who she was on our podcast a few months ago, we probably spent five or 10 minutes just talking about our favorite notebooks and how much we love notebooks and certain mm-hmm. pens, right? We had a great time. Yeah. Absolutely. Pens are, yeah, the type of pen is very important. Yes, right. that's, that I have a certain type. Yes. Yes, very thin, fine line. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I bring you up often in my trainings because when, when people say to me, you know, I'm really busy at work and how do you, you know, I don't have time to post content or I travel a lot. And I say, you know, you really need to follow a tip from my friend, Emmanuel, who travels a lot. And every Saturday, and I don't know if you still do this, so that'll be the question, it sits down with a cup of coffee and plans out some of your posts for the week using Hootsuite. Yeah. Do you still do that? Absolutely. There's no other way. Otherwise, I, I, I would not be able to. And um, I think that um, it was last week that Hootsuite had like a hiccup and, and suddenly they said, oh, the post, you know, was not done. And I'm like, oh, shoot, <laughs> you know, what do I do now? But yeah, I, I, I'm always, um, I, I love, um, you know, to create like to-do lists and my, my kids always, you know, laugh at me because on the weekend I do the same thing. So um, I think it started by... Um, uh, having the feeling of the mission accomplished and having like really this positive feeling when at the end, you know, the weekend or the end of the week, if it's professionally that you said, Oh, wow, I, I, I covered all of this. So, um, so yeah, so I, I do, I do a lot of, um, I do a lot of lists. Um, and, um, so on the weekend, you know, I prepared what I have to do on the weekend and especially now with the podcast. So yes, I have my to-do list and, and I, I block a certain number of hours when I do the whole promotion uh, myself on the, on the podcast and, you know, on the different channel, uh, LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And, um, yeah, it's done for the week. Um, and professionally, the same thing. I, um, you know, on Sunday night, I'm always uh, establishing my to-do lists for the week. That is going to obviously evolve and change because you know crises happen. But um, every day, I re-update that list. Um, you know, for the day after. So that's been always like uh, um, part of my of my routine. Yes. 
Well, when somebody travels and has as much going on as you do, you have to be organized. And I sometimes think that's half the battle. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us how, um, how can people find you and connect with you? Sure. So, um, I mean, there's obviously, you know, my profile on, on LinkedIn. So, uh, personally, um, and, um, so they can, uh, they can connect with me that way. Um, and then, um, the otherwise, um, I have a lot of, um, you know, way on, on social media for related to my podcast. So, they can find the podcast on the website is flavorsunknown.com. Um, and then I have the Twitter and um, Instagram and Facebook. It's, um, you know, Flavors Unknown. Um, so they can, um, they can contact me as well through um, direct messages, you know, there. No problem at all. Great. This has been such a treat. I knew it would be having this conversation with you because it's always interesting. I always learn something in every conversation. And <laughs> so I appreciate you spending time with us. And um, I want to thank everybody for listening today. You can check out all of our indispensable episodes by heading over to our website, interoadvisory.com, finding us on your favorite podcast platform, including Buzzsprout, Apple, and Spotify. If you have a story to share, let me know. Please connect with me on LinkedIn, share your feedback, give us a shout, even give us a shout out. So until our next episode of Indispensable, have a memorable and meaningful week. Thanks. And thank you very much for, for having me on, on your podcast. Uh, thank you for uh, thinking of me. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. And that's all for Indispensable. Thanks for joining us. We hope to catch you on our next episode. Grab our show notes, review them, check out the links included, and head over to interoadvisory.com to learn more about the work that we do in our community and with our clients. <music>